So looking at tying in cloud everywhere to, to the problem of bandwidth, well, if you adopt a cloud-like structure within the four walls of the store, then you have the ability to bring all kinds of capabilities into the store, including, well, let's just say a caching engine without having to add to the overall life cycle expense of maintaining that. Right. So a virtual type platform in the four walls of the store allows a lot of technology to go into the store without a lot of ongoing investment in maintaining that diverse and multifaceted hardware platform. Well, I couldn't be more excited to bring you this week's episode of Clown Talk. Hey guys, I'm Jeff Deverter, and today I get to speak with the Vice President of IT Infrastructure and Operations, Jeffrey Whitmore. Now, he works over at a company called Ulta, and Ulta is a, a personal care brand and a retailer. And in today's conversation, we dig into the details of what helped them not just survive through the pandemic, but ultimately to thrive. You see, they were just ahead on almost every aspect of how they would fulfill orders of how they would ensure an amazing experience for their, well, what they call guests, as you'll hear in this podcast. Now, as always, make sure you stick around to the end. We're going to talk about the Solve Conference and a few other things that you're going to want to stick around for. All right, well, let's get into this week's episode of Cloud Talk with Jeffrey Whitmore from Ulta. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So eight years and six days ago was a monumentous part of my next guest's um, career. And uh, it was the moment that he joined the personal care brand known as Ulta. And that's Jeff Whitmore, the VP of IT Infrastructure and Operations. Jeff, welcome to the, to the program today. Hey, Jeff, it's so great to join you today and uh, share that journey. Well, you know, we got to know each other a few months ago. I helped kind of oversee your account here at Rackspace and uh, and had the opportunity to present. But what was interesting about that meeting is I found myself taking all these copious notes as you were just giving us, in a sense, a state of the business. But it was this retrospective of everything that Ulta as a retail organization uh, had gone through, through the whole COVID stuff. And I thought, wow, what an amazing story. And you sort of capstoned the whole thing by saying that that the, the, the mission these days and the mantra is cloud everywhere, which is a great term. And I thought maybe today we could just unpack that a little bit. And maybe we'll start with just what does that mean to you as, as you made that statement? Yeah, well, and let's let's have a little duality in that conversation, right? Because there's a technical aspect of cloud everywhere, right. and then there's there's kind of the the touchstone that Alta uses uh, when we think about cloud everywhere. You know, we have a saying in retail that you know, COVID caused us not to meet the guest where we wanted the guest, but to meet the guest where they are. Right, and to to do that, you know. We don't feel like we can have a, 
an efficient conversation with our guests unless all of the all of the interaction points and all of the technology and all of the capabilities when we share an experience with the guest are where they are right you know right. they uh they uh, they People rush to the cloud, the center cl- central cloud, away from their data centers, and then right. they realize, well, you know, maybe things need to be in the data center. Right. But in order for the data center to be on par with the cloud, shouldn't it have cloud-like capabilities? Yeah. So, you know, we need to make things equal between a central public cloud, which has a wonderful use case, you know, our data center having a cloud-like posture so that we can provide value to the business and then cloud at the edge because that's where our guest is. And that's where we need to push capabilities away from the public center cloud, away from the data center and right where the action is. Isn't that incredible? So, so listener, I really want you to, to pay attention to some of the words that Jeff's using here. He's not talking about customers. He's talking about a guest and there's a huge difference between a customer and a guest. A customer is somebody I sell something to and I have a transactional type of a relationship, but a guest, a guest is someone I would invite into my home. A guest is somebody I would welcome into my family. A guest is a friend. Uh, And what's so fascinating about this and why I wanted to bring this story to you is what they've done is they've said, okay, technology, your seat isn't first and foremost. My guest is. Now, how do you serve that guest? And so and so, as we got into, and you guys were already on this road, you're doing some amazing things, Jeff, that we'll talk about. But let's let's dive into the meat of, of some of the stuff that you had to do as it related to COVID to be able to meet your guest where they needed to be met. You know, what were some of those strategies? You had bought some companies that helped you along the way. You know, just kind of pick yeah. one of those people pieces up. There's so many. Right. You know, uh, and I'll frame that up, Jeff, with an overall perspective and point of view that Alta embraces. And it was really, you know, spiritually led by Mary Dillon, our our, uh, now former CEO. Okay. A little bit of color on what Jeff just said there. CEO Mary Dillon did announce her retirement from the company in a public press release on March 11th of this year and is being succeeded by Dave Kimball, who'd been with the company for years and had been most recently serving as the president of the organization. Um, To that for every decision we made and every lever we lifted and every investment we made, we put the guest and the associate at the center of that decision-making process, right? right? So we, we do call them a guest and it is deliberate. And they, we do not sell products per se. We provide an experience. Mm. People, people were coming into our store and they were delighted to interact with the newness and freshness of cosmetics. And it was really, you know, it was a journey they shared with their friends when they came into our home. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when the pandemic hit, we didn't want to lose that experience or get disconnected from that emotional connection that we had with our guests. So, right. you know, fortunately, as you said, we, we, lifted a couple of levers and we decided not to partner with a technology company, but because this was so important to the future of our business to invest and to buy these capabilities that we would then own. And in the two areas I'm talking about are, you know, an artificial intelligence and a data and insight gathering capability and an augmented reality 
capability. Now, when, when did you when did you make those those investments, those acquisitions? We, we made them about a year to eighteen months ahead of the pandemic. Okay, and we had already started to modify our, our app. You know, our handheld digital. Uh, you know, connection with our guests to include augmented reality capabilities, virtual try-on capabilities. Mm. Well, they became crucially important in staying connected with our guests through the pandemic because as as you know, safety of leaving samples out in the store and allowing the guests to, to play with those samples, right. yeah, it was risky. And, I, and we had to be a little sensitive to how our guests felt about that. So we went digital with the experience. Okay. And, you know, we wanted to do it in a way that, that was, you know, culturally and diverse. Mm-hmm. diversely sensitive. It's sure. one of our core values at Alta is Wonderful. diversity and inclusion. And so we sent an army of, you know, all, all kinds of people out to our stores with different skin types, with different backgrounds, with different, you know, uh, uh, really complexions, et cetera. So sure. they could put uh, all of the product that we had in the store on their skin, and then we could digitally, um, you know, calibrate it yeah. for the experience in the augmented reality so that, you know, everybody had an equal experience in interacting with that app. And it was it was really a major engagement point during the pandemic that would have been missing. Right. You know, so it's meeting the guest where they want to be, providing them the experience consistently, no matter what happens. So there's so much to unpack there. First of all, um, visionary uh, is one of the words that I would use to describe then your IT strategy, because you guys, you would have been in such, uh, well, to use the phrase world of hurt, if you hadn't already done this work, because, well, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have have done the hard um, acquisition work, you wouldn't have had the vision to be prepared to then, you know, go from trial or experimentation to full on production, which is, which is great. And it wasn't a one-size-fits-all approach. It was, how can you ensure that everyone is included in this experience? Now, of course, it widens the aperture to the people that you can provide an experience to. But it, but you, know, you can look at that of, of, hey, they're just trying to maximize sales. Or you can take the approach, which I think is what I'm hearing, is you want an experience for anyone who wants to participate. And that is a lesson, I think, that, that everyone can learn. And how can you take those blinders off or ask someone to help you take those blinders off because sometimes we need that help and be sure that everyone has equal footing there. It's, it's a, right. a, a very admirable. Yeah. You know, a company that doesn't feel like they're part of the community or part of driving, you know, a positive intent yeah. uh, is a company that's going to struggle. And I, I, look, I look at the pandemic and I think you know, all of the executives at Alta look at the pandemic not as – a reason to do these things, but as an accelerative thing, accelerator of things we'd already committed to as a company. Right. That's amazing. Now, we also talked in, as we got ready for this, a little bit about it. It, it was another strategy that you have in helping the guest um, have a great experience is the associate that gets to, to help them out. And kind of describe for us a little bit about that strategy and and their role in, in the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the associate... I mean, we have uh, 25, 40,000 SKUs or different products. And, you know, part of the excitement of our guests is interacting with new and fresh and different brands. So really, 
a lot of training and technology was leveraged to make sure that the associate was in a position to really delight our guest. <laughs> right. And and they have to be knowledgeable that that product line changes all the time. I, you know, we don't sell three or four products. You know, we sell tens of thousands. So uh, and I'll share a kind of a side story with you. You know, Ulta has a policy or, or at least had a policy when I joined that every associate from every department would spend part of a day in the store. Mm. And so I got to experience firsthand the importance of being educated in the products to be effective in interacting and giving a positive experience to the guest when they enter our store. Right. So it's, it's a, you know, kiosks, uh, training. We had to be a little sensitive to some of the online training for the associate. I mean, we felt it would be a bad guest experience, to have our guest walk in the store and have too many of our associates just staring at devices, staring right? At device, that's right. Nobody likes even that. If, even if they meant, you know, to help educate themselves, it might have a bad lens. So there was sensitivity there, but we still felt, you know, boy, we better make, you know, if we want a good guest experience, we need to enable um, our associates to be in a position to deliver it. Well, and you put some interesting tech in front of them. You talk about you didn't necessarily want to inundate them with, well, you didn't want to always have them staring at a device because then, you know, mm-hmm. the, the guest just thinks they're looking at Instagram while they kill some time as opposed to what they're maybe really doing. And that's educating themselves. But what's really fascinating, and I, I really want to go back to call out, is the guest is at the center of everything. Even all the way up to as you joined as an executive, here you are having the opportunity to be an associate. Uh, out inside of the store um, so that you understand what that experience is for the guest. And as that tree then extends to the associate and back up into manufacturing or corporate and all the places. Right. You know, to, to avoid the ivory tower syndrome, right. Spending a day in the shoes of the associate frames all of the corporate associates in what really matters here in delivering business outcomes, value to the shareholders and a delightful guest experience. Well, let's talk about other ways you guys drove uh, experience to the guest. And as stores closed and everything goes online, you, you hit some challenges with how you would fulfill those orders. Kind of take us through how you worked ultimately to solve that. Yeah, really. I mean, the pandemic was a perfect storm for any retailer, right? You know, and there were... There, the experience wasn't the same for all retailers because some retail segments were, you know, completely essential and we were fortunate enough to be essential. Um, but the problem with going all digital, right? And, you know, it's like, okay, completely reinvent your supply chain network overnight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, or find other ways to fulfill orders. So we knew with the scale up that we would have on the digital side of our business, we needed to be very, very creative in, in meeting the guests where they were and fulfilling the orders where we could. Uh, I think the entire industry in retail had become used to kind of the Amazon delivery model. You know, yes. I go online, yeah. I order it, and I get it. You know, mm-hmm. like it just shows up in a day or two. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so since since we weren't able to build you know million square foot distribution facilities overnight, we needed to find a way to, to fulfill that. 
Uh, but it also had a business benefit, right? So as the doors and the stores were closed, uh, we had a you know millions and millions of dollars of inventory sitting in the stores that we wanted to unlock and provide to our guests where it would be difficult with social dif- distancing in our distribution facilities to fulfill those orders. And so, so then how did that all come together? I mean, ultimately you were fulfilling all of these online orders yeah. from various stores around the country. I mean, what, yeah. what way to turn the, the logistics on end? They, they were at their home. Right. They were done. They were in the store ready to be sold. And well, now they need to be shipped. Yeah. Right. And, and Jeff, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. Right. No. And I'll go back to the statement I made earlier in our discussion, which is the pandemic will, was an accelerator of things Alta was already believing we needed to do to delight our guests, right? So, you know, we felt that what we call in retail omni-fulfillment was a core capability of the best of breed retailers. And we had been working on it for, again, another, you know, year to 18 months to get the foundation in place to deliver on those capabilities. What the pandemic did was accelerate it. And I'll give the example, you know, curbside pickup. Yeah. Um, curbside pickup. You better have your inventory right. You better not send the guest to that store if it wa- if the product wasn't truly available. Yeah. Um, you we leaned in and you know we had to set up extra communication between the guest driving up to the curb and our associate so that that entire transaction could be safe and trusted. Um, you know the buy online uh, ship from store. You know, where we used our order management systems to fulfill orders from the stores instead and ship them instead of from the uh, distribution center. You know, we needed to have some of the foundation in place. And, you know, our order management system had matured to the point where it was going to give us that flexibility. Now, we didn't wiggle our nose and snap our fingers and have it occur overnight. But we were in a much better position than, you know, let's say maybe some other retailers to lean in and and get that last inch. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you know, so much was digitized over the the, the context of the through the pandemic, and um, but it all happened in such a rush. I think that's why we're also seeing an, uh, a lot of an explosion in ransomware type stuff because yeah. there were holes left behind as a lot of this rush to digitization happened because it went in without the foundation. And let's define that foundation as well. We think of it quickly as infrastructure, but it's business rules. It is policy. It is governance. Uh, And those are the really hard pieces. I mean, you guys had already gone through the wranglings of, of, I say it's the hard work because oftentimes it's a lot of arguments in different points of view of how that should operate. But that was done. And again, you just had to punch through the last mile to, to be ready for it. Yeah, so we had a lot less risk, you know, being able to provide these facilities. And I think that's a great point, Jeff. Uh, you know, had we had to invent this from scratch, you know, and we would have done what we needed to to, to drive business, but it, yeah. it, there would have been more risk involved. Well, such an, an encouragement, hopefully, to other companies that that looking ahead at the forward tech and thinking, hey, I'm a retailer. Why would I invent uh, invest in augmented reality? There's a darn good reason why you'd want to invest in augmented reality in this scenario. It's hindsight is wonderful. Um, but this tech, some of this stuff that you look at as being very cutting edge, um, you know, it, it makes sense to dabble. It makes sense to play what if. It makes sense to throw it up on a whiteboard and say, 
what could this do for us? Granted, it doesn't necessarily apply 100% today and might even be more costly for us to do today. But does it make sense in the long run? How do you how do you how do you balance that stuff? Let's talk about the innovative process. How do you and your team and the rest of your peers go through that process? Well, it comes down to our culture and values, right? So, I mean, it's no secret, Jeff, that the the best of breed of all companies that deliver business results have a highly engaged workforce, right? Right, and right. and I mean that's been proven over and over and over again. A highly engaged workforce delivers results, and they deliver far superior results than than someone who's not. So, again, you know, Mary Dillon and our entire C level team, uh, you know, when they when they set the long term strategy for the company, they said, well, you know, for us to be for us to be forward thinking and innovate and drive and drive our brand and be differentiated in the marketplace, we need a we need a strategic framework that we can rally the entire Alta team around. Yeah. Right. And that team and that strategic framework, it, it shouldn't be, you know, the the newest flashy thing. It should be just basic fundamentals. Right. 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 On, you know, we're going to drive our, our loyalty with our guest. Right. We're going to, you know, we're going to continue to invest to stay ahead of the competition in in all ways. And, you know, it's that level of framework where when we sit down to to put our budget together, we look back towards, well, how does it tie to some of this strategic framework? I think then the other component that was driven very, very much by Mary and her team was our core values, right? And the core values, I think they create that environment that that helps promote high engagement, you know, win together, mm. uh, improve always. Uh, those are examples of some of our core values, you know, that drive humility, that drive uh, collaboration, you know, things that make teams effective, not individuals. So, um, boy, there's a lot I want to unpack there, but I think I'd go back to when you talk about having the right strategic framework in place, coupled uh, or tied to those core values. Always love it when I see humility sort of show up. And, um, and I love the fact that you've got these, these values that are focused on, you know, how do you drive the right engagement? You know, I, I said this recently on the podcast, and that was the, the CEO that I was hired in under, Lanham Napier, would describe what he would call the folks who work at Rackspace, which are, we call ourselves rackers. And somebody would say, what's a racker? And he would say, these are crazy, talented individuals who show up and volunteer their best every day. And when fanatical you've got that, support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you've got that type of, a, which drives fanatical support, well, when you've got that kind of engagement, you've got people who will do anything towards that mission. And I love the fact that this was a top-down definition of a framework, and frameworks are my favorite. They're not rules. They're our guideposts. And so then when, when even low-level associate comes knocking and they say, I have an idea. I don't know how to do it, but if we could do this thing, everybody's ears open to, to, the, to what might appear to be the crazy. And somebody shows up and says, hey, let's buy an augmented reality company. Wait a minute, we're, we're, health, we're a personal care company. Why are, we, why are we in that level of tech? It starts to make sense. Yep, precisely. Well, and let's, um, 
So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about as the, the, the tech explodes inside of the retail experience. I mean, there were some challenges. Bandwidth, for one, starts to show up. You've already talked about all the gadgetry that's now inside of the store. But, uh, but how do you deal with and how, do you, how are you handling all the additional bandwidth constraints? Well, I think you have to. Under, I think you have to not just throw. Yeah, it's the old saying: not just throw bodies at it, not just throw bandwidth at the problem, but think about creatively how to optimize what we have. Right? You yeah. know, no company that wants to scale over time and provide value to its shareholders is just going to continue to to linear, linearly scale up. We have to think about better ways of achieving it. So, you know. Um, continuous improvement, you know, <laughs> improve always. Our core, again, our core value serves us well. So, looking at uh, tying in cloud everywhere to to the problem yeah. of bandwidth, the problem of bandwidth utilization is well. If you adopt a cloud like structure within the four walls of the store, then you have the ability to bring all kinds of capabilities into the store, including, well, let's just say uh, uh, a caching engine without having to add to the overall life cycle expense of maintaining that, right? So a virtual type platform in the four walls of the store allows a lot of technology to go into the store without a lot of ongoing investment in maintaining that diverse and multifaceted hardware platform. Wow. Right. So you guys actually are deploying, I'll call it mini cloud, a cloud like extending your cloud into into the store itself. Right. We're pl- we're planning, you know, a cloud like posture within the four walls of the store. So Boy, and what power will that make? And we talked a lot uh, recently uh, you know, on all the different platforms about how, you know, we there's this term right now edge. Everybody loves the term edge. And um, and I wrestle with it because there are some examples of edge, but what I really think it is, is, is it is just an extension of the cloud. The cloud is no longer constrained to those four walls of whatever your cloud providers of choice might be. Uh, the cloud experience, as you're defining it even, should extend as close as possible to the action, in your case, where that guest is. Right. I really worry, you know, I think that all retailers and all digital you know, uh, enabled enterprises will leverage IoT type devices to to gain insights and to make decisions about, you know, how they interact with their guests in the four walls of their store. Well, if if like you say, some of those decisions aren't made very, very close to the source, they, you know, they may be tone deaf. Uh, our guest may be three doors down, you know, getting her shoes instead of beauty products. And we're sending them, finally getting around to sending a message to her that's relevant. Right. Well, and, and how much of that is in production for you guys today and how much in, in trial? And because I don't I don't want to delve into I, the areas that some secret sauce that's not out there. Yeah, I want to be careful on on some of those points. Um you know, because we do think we do think very much of this is a, a market differentiator Absolutely. and somewhat secret sauce. But but I think, you know, we're not alone as a retailer and in, in thinking through the challenges of retail and, you know, retail, whether it be pandemic driven or even before that. Uh, the pace of change and the need to innovate and the need to differentiate you know, has been top of mind for everyone at Ulta. Uh, you know, 
I, I, I'm going to blow the way Mary Dillon says it, but we're, we're just getting started <laughs> in, some of the, in some of the innovation that we do. And, and, and I think that we will continually challenge ourselves, you know, uh, to, to keep leaning in because I think that anybody who doesn't, uh, you know, I've got, I've been involved in IT longer than I care to share, you know, with your audience, Jeff, but I, but I will tell you this, that as I've evolved through my career in IT, I don't see the rate of change slowing down in anywhere. Accelerating is all I could say. You know, we, yeah. we saw a massive push as COVID kicked in and that's become the new normal. Now we're looking for those companies that can pull ahead of the pack from that pace. So you guys, uh, and, and I can't credit you, I got, you, you keep calling back to Mary Dillon, the executive team, um, are proving the old saying that culture eats strategy for lunch. And I'll add all day long. I mean, I, I mean, you've proven you're a smart guy, but there's smart guys and, and women everywhere in the world. Um, but with the right framework in place, with the right culture of, of who you're serving and why you're serving them, well then, and the fact that you're relentless. I mean, you you are, there is no top to the mountain in this scenario. It is a continued push and a continued rate of innovation. Because, you know, three years ago when you thought to go, hey, augmented reality and analytics company, let's go buy them. We're retailers. That makes sense. Uh, and everybody scratched their heads. Well, your competitors scratched their heads uh, while you pulled ahead. You're probably looking at, at things that would cause us to scratch our heads today. Maybe even some stuff around what's going on in the store. But uh, you know, that you're, you're never satisfied. That's a, it's an amazing uh, trait. Right. You know, we do believe that any one of our competitors could go buy tech or, you know, ultimately find their way to some of the technical solutions that we may have stumbled on or led the way on even. But, you know, I would challenge them to find and develop the culture and the, you know, the, collaboration and the positive vibe that's at Ulta. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we use the term and, and it's, it's one I've heard, I used to hear it a lot and now I hear it a ton again. I use it a lot and transformation comes through not just technology, but people and process and then technology. It was, everybody says people process and technology. I say, and then, because it really should yeah. be the last tool that you go and utilize. It starts with people and process. Yep. And, yeah, we, and, we, we agree. And center to people, of course, is the culture. And Rackspace has a pretty um, foundational culture that, that drives what we like to call the fanatical experience. But I do want to ask another question here, and I, I do want to couch it by, say, by real quick. And that is that uh, here on the podcast, we really we have access to a lot of Rackers, of course, and customers like yourself. And I don't want this to be why you chose Rackspace. And so I want to take that, that name off. But you do leverage partners. So how do you go about, what is the thought process of when you go outside of the team? You bought some companies and made them part of the team. But when do you go outside of your team? We go, out, we go outside of our team, right, for scale. We go outside of our team because we don't want to be insular. And we don't believe we know everything. Um, you know, we have had a long and valued relationship with a number of providers, Rackspace being one of them. And I think it comes down to, you know, the, if, the old saying, it takes two to tango, right? But, <laughs> you know, for those, customer, for those 
entities that engage with a partner and then just stomp their foot and look at the partner to deliver everything, I think they're going to be disappointed. And likewise, if, you know, you have an entity that's willing to accept responsibility, but a, but a partner who maybe falls short, you know, it's one. Of, it's probably time to fail fast and move on. <laughs> right? Well, and if you're looking to a partner to do everything, then you're really outsourcing everything. You're out. You're you're taking culture off the off the plate. You're even in a lot of cases taking strategy off the plate and saying, "Partner, serve me." And then you're just saying, "Technology is the one way to solve it." And you'll make some some headway, but you're going to be driven ultimately by cost, and you're going to be disappointed. Right. We do, you know, from a leadership point of view, whether it's internal or outsourced, we we ensure that there's a full-time employee of Alta who understands that they have ownership around the outcome. Right? Ownership Not of the outcome. There's a of phrase. the outcome. Yeah. Right? So, you know, always being framed in and, you know, not how hard we work or, you know, how tough it is and how fast we're moving, but what was the outcome, I think yeah. is really, a, it's foundational to success. Well, and your outcome clearly driven by how is the guest's needs being yeah, met? Right. <laughs> right. If that's, if that's first and foremost. Now there's lots of little ways along, you know, impacts along the way. You know, I had a similar experience. Of course, we know Rackspace's culture, but I was, I was with a financial services firm USA for several years back in the 2000s. And they have a very similar approach. And I was inside of the office of the CTO. And, and every time the business, you know, had a new requirement to move things forward, it would ultimately come down to, you know, are we going to invest our own developers to make this? Are we going to go buy some stuff? And we'd all look at each other and realize the money that we were, we were talking about spending wasn't our own money. We look at it as a budget, but it was the money of the members of the organization. It was their money that we were ultimately spending. And, and with that as the forefront, do we feel confident the fact that it's the right place to put that, that, the, those investments? And oftentimes, you know, as USA being a service or a financial services organization to the military and their extended families and such, it took that very seriously. So it's a, a very kindred spirit I'm hearing here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we focus as much on the, on the, on the guests as anything, but we do, you know, we give back to the community. We give back to our shareholders. They're all stakeholders in, you know, the entity that's Ulta. That's Um, right. Yeah. There's a great culture at Ulta around giving back to the community. Our, our, uh, efforts, our efforts around breast cancer research are, you know, many members of our leadership serve in the community and on public boards, uh, again, encouraged by the C-level team. Um, it's been a personal development journey for myself to serve on a, a board of directors for a nonprofit uh, that is trying to end homelessness in the North Shore of Chicago. And what a journey that has been. <laughs> I can imagine that is why well, that's so multifaceted, but, but wonderful that you're encouraged at a corporate level to, uh, to be engaged in the community at that level. Well, Jeff, fascinating conversation and hats off to the organization. You know, you're, you're the part that you play while, you know, we talk about, you know, it's, it's top down, it's bottom up, but the part you play really is fascinating. And I've met, you know, many members of your team and, you know, they're as brilliant or more as you are. So you've, you've, the tech team that you've assembled is, is fantastic. So thank you for taking the time to be a part of the conversation today. It was my absolute pleasure. 
All right. I do have one last question I've been asking a lot of guests lately, and and we can look at it in the context of something you're excited about personally or part of the program, but what tech excites you these days? What do you think is really uh, fun that's coming down the road? Well, you know, and I mentioned, you know, artificial intelligence, and I think artificial intelligence and automation in general are, you know, a couple of things that are really on the radar for most organizations that are trying to to provide the best value, right? Uh, in the in the artificial intelligence, you know, not only for marketing and market research and having more of a one-on-one conversation with a guest, but also for key business insights and decisions, right? Holding ourselves accountable to, you know, to pouring over the data and driving business results through you know, insights we can gain from large quantities of data, I think it excites me. Second, you know, as we look to invest, probably the biggest investment we make as entities anywhere is in our people, right? And the development of our people. But but what people, you know, miss most out of that investment is, well, what do I have them do? Is what I'm having them do providing the right level of value? And that's where automation could be an enabler, you know. All jobs, all functions, you know, involve a certain amount of repetitive drudgery. <laughs> I'm yeah, being honest, yeah. right? So, so if I can, if I can leverage automation to make sure that not only not only are, are um, am I getting good value out of the talent that we bring into Alta, but that they're doing things that are driving, you know, engagements that excite them, that drive their career, right, and get them out of the maintenance mode drudgery and more into the innovation scale of participation in the company, um, I think we're, we're going to have big strides. And, you know, I I think about what motivates people and I think about what drives a happy you know, talented tech person. And I think it's feeling like they're coming in and making a difference, not coming in and punching the clock and keeping everything from blowing up, right? I could (laughs) not agree more. So those two things excite me. That's amazing. Uh, What a a great um, vision for how to apply technology. Um, How do you drive scale by putting machines at the center of the mundane and how do you drive satisfaction towards people that they are making a, a difference in what they do? So again, Jeff, thanks so much for being a part of the program today. This has been uh, my, my pleasure to be a part of the conversation. Mine as well. Have a great day. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, I hope you'll agree that the good folks over at Ulta are doing some amazing work. Yes, they are in retail. Yes, they are in a product creation. And yes, tech is at the heart of them ensuring an amazing guest experience. This is just the kind of story that I hope really inspires you and your organization for not just how do you operate with excellence, but how do you read the tea leaves of the future and look at that latest and greatest tech and figure out 
how it could have an impact in your organization, regardless of the industry that you're in. Well, if everything goes as planned, this episode comes out the first week of August. And you know what's going on this week? The Solve Conference on August 3rd and 4th. I'm actually not positive which day this episode is going to release. So if the 3rd and 4th hasn't happened yet, well, there's still time. Head over to rackspace.com slash solve slash conference and register. It's going to be an amazing event. All right, folks, we put one of these out every single week, and I hope that you've subscribed to Cloud Talk. If you have and are enjoying it, well, maybe consider giving us one of those five-star reviews and sharing the podcast with a friend. And as always, a huge thank you to Dell Technologies for sponsoring everything we do here at Rackspace Solve. Okay, until next week, when this episode shows up magically in your podcast app of choice because you've subscribed, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk.